Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So here we are on the Charles Bridge in Prague. It's full of tourists, but I think I do see a few European officials scurrying over the bridge with their briefcases, making their way to the summit in Prague Castle. That's the European political community that's meeting uh, for its inaugural session in Prague. And it's our inaugural session too, first time we're broadcasting from Prague. So let's go. I'm Suzanne Lynch, Political's Chief Brussels Correspondent and the host of EU Confidential. Thanks so much for joining us this week. As mentioned, we're in Prague and we're coming to you from the press centre in Prague Castle, where the inaugural meeting of the European political community has taken place. That's a gathering of leaders representing 44 countries, including the EU's 27 members and others in the region, such as the UK, Turkey, Ukraine and the Western Balkans. So we're recording this in the wee hours of Thursday night, early Friday morning. Leaders have jetted off back to their capitals, but the EU 27 leaders are staying on. They're having their own EU summit on Friday. So to unpack how this first European political community meeting has gone down, I'm joined by our political team here on the ground in Prague. Clea Colcutt, our senior France correspondent. Hi, Clea. Hi, Suzanne. And Hans van der Burchard, who has been travelling with German Chancellor Olaf Scholz. Hey, Hans. Hi, Suzanne. Okay, so before we dive into an analysis of what went down here in Prague, we're first going to hear from the Czech Prime Minister, Peter Fiala. Because the Czech Republic holds the rotating presidency of the Council of the European Union, they've been hosting the summit here in Prague. Let's hear what he had to say. Our common task was to create an informal platform where we can cooperate, share ideas and develop solutions to return peace and prosperity to Europe. And I think that we succeeded. We don't want to replace existing formats of cooperation. We did not adopt any official resolution. We just feel the need of having a space for informal exchange of views on ongoing events in Europe and beyond. Okay, Clea, so a lot of um, big talk about big ideas about what this accomplished. Um, How do you think this uh, inaugural meeting of this European political community has gone down? 
Well, I think from uh, Emmanuel Macron's point of view, I think they will think this is a success, and they, they say so um, in that for a start, they managed to bring on board uh, leaders who weren't necessarily very enthusiastic about the idea to start off with. So, for example, Liz Truss from the UK came, the Ukrainian uh, prime minister also came. And so, therefore, I think that uh, at least from that perspective, it's uh, not the flop that people were fearing it might be initially. So, Hans, I mean, what are you hearing from the German side? You were travelling with Olaf Scholz, the Chancellor. He's just back from Spain for a meeting with Sanchez, Prime Minister, on Wednesday. How do you think they feel it's gone? Well, I think, actually, Olaf Scholz came... He first went to Spain for an important meeting, Spanish-German government consultations, with energy, of course, being a big focus because uh, Germany wants to import a lot of uh, gas and, in the future, also green hydrogen which I think is the future for for the economy in general to replace gas. They want to import that from Spain. And with this whole um, idea of energy very much at the forefront, they went also now to uh, Prague here, where um, energy is, of course, a big discussion. And there's also today already a discussion with partner countries. Energy was really a big topic. So Olaf Scholz had um, bilateral meetings with uh, Liz Truss, uh, the UK prime minister, but also with the new Norwegian prime minister, And Norway is a very important energy supplier for the EU and Germany in particular. Yeah, big topic. We might come back to that a little bit later. Um, Clea, the other thing is, look, we were writing about this in the run-up to the summit. You know, is this going to be a bit of everything for everybody, not everyone happy? And we've been here before with ideas for a, a larger European community. President Mitterrand, for example, suggested this over 30 years ago, a similar proposal, and it didn't really go far. One of the issues we've heard is a concern uh, from some of the Western Balkan states and other countries that are in the wings and want to become members of the European Union, that this is going to be seen as a kind of a second tier version of EU membership. And really, they're impatient to kind of get in there and be members. And perhaps they may get some frustrations uh, from this kind of a forum. Yes, well, indeed. I mean, that's an idea that France has been battling with from the start, from when it pitched it. Because if you remember, Emmanuel Macron um, suggested this idea back in May. He did a big speech in front of the European Parliament. And at the same time, we've forgotten now, but he was also saying about Ukraine that it might take years, maybe decades for Ukraine to join the European Union. And he also pitched this idea of a European political community, which at the time was very vague there wasn't any sort of um, you know background briefing about what it would entail and and it just sounded like Emmanuel Macron was was sort of improvising in the moment to sort of offer a consolation prize to aspiring members like Ukraine and also the Western Balkans and so they've been trying to unravel that narrative and say no this is not an alternative to accession this is just something that's going to help to have a conversation with the whole of the continent. Yeah we heard some comments from from Kosovo's president, President Osmani, earlier today on this. In fact, we have been reassured by the organizers, by President Macron, who has put forward the idea, as well as by President Charles Michel of the Council of the European Union, by the presidency, the Czech presidency, and everyone else participating, that this is not a replacement of the process of European integration for the Western Balkans. We are here on an equal footing to have our voice heard. Also, the Irish teacher, Michal Martin, was very strong on this idea that this kind of a forum should not be a replacement for enlargement. Well, part of the agreement to this European political community approach 
uh, and we were very strong, Ireland was, in, in asserting the absolute imperative that this could not be a replacement for the uh, accession process and this could not be in any shape or form viewed as a substitute for enlargement. Um, so we're very, very clear on that. Uh, and in fact, we would have met with all the aspiring countries. Recently. Look, the other big uh, focus, I think, here over the last 12 hours or so has been on Liz Truss. I mean, there was a huge, there was huge speculation about whether she would turn up. Our own colleague uh, last week, Jacob, in Playbook, were, broke the story that she indeed was going to come and indeed offered to host a second summit. Things seem to be going very well for Truss. There was a lot of uh, mutual admiration going on between her and Macron, Clea. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, the vibes coming out of the Liz Truss-Emmanuel Macron meeting were very positive today. And one advisor came out afterwards saying they were very open, very positive, uh, you know, that it was a real reset in the relationship. Uh, Emmanuel Macron came out afterwards and said, you know, we're happy to have you back. Having the Prime Minister Liz Truss here in Prague is a... It's a very good news, and I think a very good choice she made. And uh, I think having the UK being engaged in a lot of common initiatives, I think does make sense, both for the UK and for ourselves, because we do share the same continent. And we have a lot of uh, challenges in common. If you take energy, if you take migrations, if you take geopolitics. So I think it's, it's very useful. I, I do hope this is a new phase of our common relations and this is the beginning of the day after. But our, our willingness is clearly to engage, to have concrete projects and to work all together for the unity of our continent, especially in these very challenging times, and for the interests of our people. I mean, obviously for him, it's great to have um, you know, this uh, advance as something that he can show as being a positive from uh, the European uh, political community. And, and so it sort of ties in quite well with, with what he's trying to, like him trying to prove that it actually can uh, you know, advance things. Hans, Olaf Scholz also had a meeting with Liz Truss, you're hearing. Yeah, I was just actually just going to chime in there and say like it was really interesting after all the tough days that Liz Truss faced at home. It almost felt like uh, the Europeans were showing, finally showing her some love here in Prague because um, I may just quote the readout of Olaf Scholz meeting with Liz Truss. It said they had a very friendly and nice meeting. So uh, that is not something you read uh, every day in a readout. It almost felt like a diplomatic courtesy that all these readouts really stressed how welcome she was here in Prague. And uh, so the German readout was also very much positive. They talked about uh, joint uh, economic uh, questions, of course, this whole Northern Ireland question, of course, looming, but also energy cooperation. And it sounded quite upbeat, actually. Yeah, and it's interesting to note as well, the Irish Taoiseach was asked about this going in. Obviously, there are unresolved, big unresolved issues in the Brexit agreement. Michal Martin said, essentially, today is not the day to discuss this. He said these technical discussions now have got going this week in Brussels between the European Commission and UK officials, and he said they should be given space. It's my view that there's a genuine wish on all fronts to have, or to prefer and negotiate a resolution of all of these issues but I do believe we need to create space for that to happen as well and so I don't intend to comment any further on So it was very much the, the message was let's focus on the positives uh, but there was a feeling that there is momentum now behind that too 
Another person that was taking a lot of the attention today was the Turkish President Erdogan. Um, now, we're hearing reports as we're coming to now that it was quite fiery during the dinner, uh, unsurprisingly maybe, between Erdogan and uh, the Greek Prime Minister, with uh, Erdogan berating uh, Greece uh, to an extent during his intervention. In one sense, not a surprise, but we also had some other bilateral meetings on the fringes we're hearing about this evening, so between Azerbaijan and Armenia also, clear. Yes, indeed. Uh, so they had, uh, this was something that was a long time in the works and only was really confirmed in, in the last you know, 24 hours before the summit. So therefore, the, the president of Azerbaijan and the Armenian president met in a sort of quadrilateral meeting with uh, with Macron and with Charles Michel, council president. And uh, so therefore, we don't know exactly what went on. But what we know from a French advisor is that they were going to go into a second meeting this same evening uh, to be able to continue uh, talking. Uh, that said, um, you know, the sort of pictures that we saw from the from the bilateral that you could see some very hard, cool stares from both participants. So, you know, it will best to be seen what actually comes out of this bilat. And yet still the symbolism of these ex-Soviet countries sitting around the table, that's kind of exactly the kind of messaging Europe wants from uh, this, this meeting. Plenty more to discuss. After break, we're going to dive into that other important issue at this summit, and that is energy. So the other big issue tonight here in Prague is the energy crisis. Now, as you mentioned already, the EU27 leaders are going to be meeting Friday to discuss energy. Earlier, I asked the Finnish Prime Minister on her way into the summit, Sanna Marin, on how she feels about the proposal for an energy price cap. What is Finland's position from political ahead of tomorrow's discussion on energy? And what would you like to see come from the meeting? Well, of course, we are in midst of energy crisis because we are, as Europe, uh, too dependent on Russia, Russian fossil fuels. We have to focus on two issues. Uh, of course, making sure that we can produce more cleaner energy, our own. Uh, and another one is how the uh, prices are handled. So we are, of course, expecting more proposals from the Commission, how we can affect the prices, the high prices that we are seeing everywhere. Uh, so we are very open to the discussion, but we need more concrete efforts and uh, more concrete proposals from the Commission. So what about the idea of a price cap? We are open to price cap also when it comes to gas prices. 
So Hans, we're hearing there from the Finnish Prime Minister about this issue of energy price caps. That seems to be one of the main areas of focus here this week. Yes, indeed, because um, actually there are two strings here. And one of the strings is what Germany did last week. Um, they unveiled a big 200 billion or up to 200 billion uh, package uh, to shield households and companies from the rising energy costs, uh, the, the gas prices in particular. And that is what they call a gas price break, where basically the state intervenes and said, as of a price X, the state is going to cover every cost above that. Uh, and the other other ideas, and that is, I think, what uh, the Finnish Prime Minister and many other countries are talking about now, is a gas price cap. And that would actually be the EU as a block setting a maximum price for the import of gas coming to Europe. And the idea is that just Europe pays too much for the gas, and there are some countries exporting the gas. They see the necessity that Europe has at the moment, the big need, the crisis of Russia, and they in the eyes of some European leaders are just charging too much for the gas. And that's what's here at stake. But some other countries, Germany, but also the Netherlands, they see this idea of a gas price cap, this limit on the import price, quite critical because they fear if we set a limit for what we are actually as Europeans going to pay, then those exporting countries are just going to ship it all to Asia and we're not getting anything. It's an interesting point because one of the countries that... Europe is now looking to is Norway. The Norwegian Prime Minister was here and I mean again we're hearing from people in the room about the tone of his speech but we're getting the impression that yes he talked about the willingness to kind of increase exports into Europe um, but at the same time they're still not over the line when it comes to this idea of, of, of price reduction. So it's going to be interesting to watch what happens with Norway over the coming days. Now Friday's meeting energy price caps are going to be on the table um, but we've also heard a lot about this uh, proposed pipeline uh, between Spain uh, and into Germany and the rest of Europe. Now, Hans, you were with Schultz in Spain earlier this week. Explain to us a bit about this pipeline and what the problem is there. Yeah, so this pipeline is another very interesting um, example or, or another very interesting string in this whole energy debate because basically it's a pipeline from Spain to France and from France it would be able to send gas and later also what I mentioned earlier, this green hydrogen, what people believe in it will be actually the future uh, energy source replacing gas for, for Germany's and other uh, energy-hungry economies. And this pipeline, there's just a little string from northern Spain, from Catalonia to um, Perpignan in France that needs to be completed. And the French say... Uh, it's too expensive, it would take too long. Anyhow, we shouldn't invest much more into gas pipelines at this point of time. Whereas uh, the Spanish, uh, the Portuguese, but also the Germans say, no, this pipeline is very important because the Iberian Peninsula is a future uh, producer of green hydrogen and we need to connect them to Northern Europe. And there's a big fight at the moment. And, And of course, I mean, it's in their commercial interest, I suppose, is that not right for Spain to be able to export this, this kind of energy in the future? Absolutely. So Spain has a big um, commercial interest. Uh, Pedro Sanchez, uh, the, the Spanish prime minister, at this uh, press conference with uh, Scholz and Acarunia, where I was just at, he mentioned that this really their aim to become like a, a green hydrogen superpower. He also kind of like uh, berated Macron in a certain way and said, uh, well, in 2015, France committed to increase 
the number of these, they call it uh, interconnectors, these uh, connecting pipelines between countries. They uh, committed to inc increase it quite a lot, and now the French are blocking it. So there's quite some tension. The Germans yeah. from the north and the Spanish and the Portuguese from the south are really kind of like taking uh, Macron here. Um, yeah. <laughs> and Claire, I mean, one of the arguments, isn't it, is that, you know, is France just trying to protect its own nuclear industry? Is, is that what's going on here? Well, indeed. I mean, that's always been uh, what we assumed was behind it. And uh, President Macron today actually confirmed it to a certain extent by saying, you know, Europe should really look towards renewables. It, would, it should really look towards nuclear power to sort of like um, build its future, its energy future. And so therefore, gas is kind of something of the past. We should be um, looking to new energy forms. And so therefore, and, and this has been something that the, the French have repeatedly tried to put across is this idea that uh, this plan would basically, um, you know, just encourage the dependency on dirty energies and that France has m something much better. So a nuclear power. Now, the problem there is that, of course, uh, France's nuclear power plants are not in a very yeah. great condition right now. And so that therefore, um, um, this is something that's quite theoretical at the moment. And there's also an ideological dimension to it, because if I just look through the very like the German uh, lens, the Germans, they like this idea of um, clean energy, green hydrogen, as I mentioned, which would be produced by wind energy uh, or solar power in Spain or Portugal. They don't like so much this idea that uh, hydrogen or any future energy could be produced by nuclear, nuclear. energy. So yeah. this is also very much a, a big ideological yeah fight here almost between the different vision that the Germans and the Spanish maybe have, the, 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 the Portuguese as well, and the French. And the very different energy mixes people have in, the, in their country. This is yeah. one of the problems the European Union is coming across all the time during this energy crisis. Um, just before we finish up, Hans, just an update on where you think things go on the energy. Are we expecting decisions on Friday or there's a few more meetings coming up in the next few weeks? Isn't that right? Yes, yeah, so we don't really expect a direct uh, conclusion coming out of this, a big decision here on Friday's meeting, uh, first of all, because it's an informal meeting. So uh, there are not normally no clear conclusions uh, um, drawn from this. But um, there's another uh, energy minister's meeting, as you mentioned, coming up very soon. There's also another European Council, like an EU leaders meeting, official one in Brussels in two weeks. So very soon some uh, real decisions will have to be taken. Actually, one interesting element just to, to add to this is that German Chancellor Olaf Scholz today mentioned that we should also talk with other countries like Japan and South Korea who are also paying too much, who are feeling they're paying too much for the gas that they're importing, whether it's maybe possible to forge some sort of international alliance on this. Well, so. we did see the G7 earlier yeah. this summer about the oil, you know, exactly, exactly. something similar on that. Claire, just finally, um, European political community, it's come to an end here tonight. What's next? Have we got any more details of what's to come after this inaugural meeting? Yes, absolutely. And uh, this is something that uh, France has been trying to drive is one, to have regular meetings. Uh, so we are expecting to have meetings every six months. That means every six months, all the leaders are going to join in one location. So either within the EU or without the or in a country that's not in the EU. Um, and also we are, you know, they're working on different areas where, you know, concretely where they could cooperate. Um, now, of course, you know, the big question is, are these going to be marginal issues? Uh, so, for instance, they mentioned, uh, you know, the surveillance 
sense of infrastructure. That's something that they could they could work on together. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, this is one of the que- big questions, isn't it? It's just going to be another talking shop now. We were writing as well this week that, yes, you know, symbolism matters at this time and it's, it's better for these countries to be talking. But I suppose as the years go on with this process, you know, they will need to produce something or, or it's going to become another forum like the G20, the G7. But we, we do have a few details about when the next, uh, where the next European political community meetings are going to be. They're going to be in Moldova, it's going to host next one next spring, and then Spain, and then the UK. And we also got news of a UK-France summit, is that right? Yes, indeed. There should be a UK-France summit in the first half of 2023. Now, this is a big deal, because there hadn't been one since 2018. And that shows how glacial the relations were between France and the UK. It was France's turn to invite the UK for a meeting, but France France never issued the invitation because they were so annoyed with, you know, Know, the UK, its behaviour during Brexit. So we're supposed to be looking ahead to a new summit. Great. Thank you so much, Claire and Hans. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it from us in the beautiful Czech capital of Prague. If you've enjoyed this episode of EU Confidential, please do leave us a rating or maybe even a review wherever you are listening. You can always get in touch with us directly with ideas for guests or topics. The email address is podcast at politico.eu. I'm Suzanne Lynch in Prague. Thanks this week to our executive producer for audio, Christina Gonzalez. And thanks to you all for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.